Alright, still getting situated here a little bit. This is far and away maybe the least prepared and most uh, structured uh, that I've had for a podcast yet. This is a little spur of the moment. I typed up some stuff I wanted to get to, but really this is going to be a lot of freelance and an off-the-cuff conversation here. A couple things I want to get into. Uh, Obviously, the MDHL wrapped up its season over the weekend. Media day recaps I want to touch on, uh, some big takeaways from that over the last couple days. And then, uh, as I teased on last week's podcast, getting you my top 25 uh, preseason rankings leading into the the upcoming season. And then uh, also going to have a little fun with some over-unders and projecting uh, win totals for those 25 teams. So, Uh, Let me start first with the MDHL, as I mentioned, you know, uh, didn't catch any of the action, but looking at the box scores, looking at how they uh, competed against some of the programs that were there, I don't know if you could have a better showing without winning a game, and I don't don't mean that in the slightest at all. These types of showcases uh, is, is just not about wins and losses. So the fact that they went 0-3 really doesn't matter or phase me at all uh, when you look at their body of work and, and what they accomplished there. Uh, you know, they played the 26th ranked team in the country in Chicago Mission, lost to them 5-4 to in overtime. Like, okay, you're in the hunt, you're competing, uh, good back and forth there, you take them to extra time and, and uh, you know, coin flip doesn't go your way, so to speak. That's a really good Chicago Mission team too. That that Mission team uh, beat Little Caesars four to one, beat VH six to three, and then beat the Sioux Indians five nothing. All at the Maha Showcase uh, to start the season. They also got wins over Honey Baked three to one, OJG four to one, Compuware seven nothing. They've really beaten just about everybody in the state of Michigan. Uh, so with the MDHL, with a really strong showing against, uh, against that mission team, five to four, very much in the mix with, with a lot of the, uh, very comparable to a lot of the 18U AAA teams that you see here in the state too. So, uh, and then when you consider the fact that that MDHL group, uh, is for lack of a better phrase, a bit of a hodgepodge, right? They don't, there's not a lot of practice time. They're not skating on the ice three, four times a week and then playing games on the weekends, uh, you kind of lack maybe some of that structure. So, uh, you know, for the most part, you're kind of dumping the pucks out and letting the chips fall where they may. Uh, and you're in a, a one goal game there with a top team in the country. Uh, followed that up with a four, four to three shootout loss to the number four ranked team in the country and Culver Academy Culver, obviously very well known uh, nationally. And, and, and again, another strong showing there where, where, um, where you're competing. And, and again, it's a coin flip basically is, is what I always like to call it, where, you know, you, you take those games to overtime or into a shootout and, and you're really deciding the winner and loser based on a, on luck of the draw almost sometimes if a, a certain puck bounces your way or doesn't bounce your way. So, uh, and, and then they rounded out their three games on the weekend with Stansted college, uh, which is a program out of Canada and looking them up real quick, there wasn't a whole lot of information on Stansted. Uh, but the, as far as I can tell, you know, ranked 11th in the country in Canada at the, among that age group. So uh, again, you know, real strong showing, knowing a lot of the prospects 
playing for the MDHL, playing in that showcase. Uh, the usual suspects, Cam Duffney, who I got a chance to talk to earlier this week. Um, and, and Larson Miller was another one out there representing. So uh, the MDHL, real strong showing uh, and really just good for not just good for high school hockey, but good for the state of Michigan to kind of showcase some of the high end 18U talent that we do have in the state. So uh, I'll shift gears here real quick. Uh, media day. Got a chance to go to some high school hockey media days this week. Uh, the MIHL was on Sunday. KLAA had its media day Monday night. The OAA had its media day yesterday. So it's been a busy week, very productive week, good week. Uh, those are the only three that I was aware of. There may be some others around the state. Uh, so if, uh, if there are, like, you know, feel free to, to DM me and make me aware of them and, and let me know. Uh, if you're not, you know, some of these leagues around the state, uh, and I talked to a buddy of mine who said his league doesn't do one, and that's okay. But uh, if you're not, I'd, I'd strongly recommend doing it as a conference. You know, get organized amongst the coaches uh, and, and put it on, maybe not necessarily for yourselves and, and for the program, but for your players. Uh, you know, I think it's a really good opportunity for the kids to, to get reps, public speaking, comfortable answering questions off the cuff, comfortable in front of a camera, uh, speaking about things they're passionate about. Uh, it's all just kind of good practice, good reps. And then ultimately, you know, if you're connecting with uh, local media uh, local beat writers and things like that. It's super easy content then for them to turn around and, and produce. So it, it's kind of a, it's just a win-win. I don't know that, um, I don't know that there's really any breaking news or earth shattering, uh, you know, tidbits to come out of any of the media days I attended. But like I said, it's just good practice and, and an overall good experience for the kids and, and adds another level of uh, exposure, right. That I think lends itself to the, the high school circles. So again, if you're not, if that's something your leagues haven't done in the past, you know, the MIHL as high as I am on them this year was the first year they've done it. Usually they're, they're kind of the pioneers and at the forefront of a lot of this stuff in high school hockey. And, and this year they just finally got it off the ground. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of other conferences around the state could benefit in, in kind of following suit. And, you know, those first year, first couple of years, it might even be a little awkward or a little challenging where the coach himself is asking his players questions about the upcoming season. But like I said, ultimately, uh, it'll start to snowball. You'll get a little more buy-in each year, more media outlets coming uh, and things like that. So if you haven't done it, if, if you haven't really thought about it or, or given it any consideration, I'd strongly recommend. A uh, couple of big takeaways and this is kind of what I meant by maybe some lack of preparation as far as uh, specifics. I, I liked, I wanted to say. Usually, I have them bulleted out, and you know, I don't, I don't want to miss anything on the podcast. And doing it live uh, makes it a bit of a challenge sometimes. But uh, a couple of big takeaways that I wanted to know from multiple conferences: uh, a lot of first-year, first-time coaches in high school hockey making the jump from AAA, making the jump from travel and, and jumping into the high school hockey circles for the first time. Uh, you know, one that really stood out to me was Chad LaRose at uh, De La Salle. 
uh, and just got some really interesting thoughts and, and feedback from them. You know, Chad spoke pretty candidly about just how different the high school landscape is and, and uh, you know, some of the rules and regulations, limitations that are in place where, uh, you know, the, the travel season, as we all know, started late August, early September, and they've been on the ice four or five days a week playing in showcases and tournaments. High school, you don't really get that on ice with your team, group setting, implementing structures and systems and things like that until right now. So you're maybe a little bit farther behind, uh, behind the curve there. But, you know, I asked him, uh, you know, how do you make up that difference? And, and for a lot of coaches who have been inundated in the high school circles, your Ryan Ossenmachers, your Kirk Cavistos, uh, Rick Gadwas, some of those guys who have been in high school hockey for as long as they have Brandon Kalnecki is another one. They, they know it well enough, so they've developed a system and a, and a structure that works for their program, you know, 24-7, 365. For a guy like LaRose, and it being his first time into the high school circles, he's kind of learning on the fly, leaning on other coaches, leaning, he even mentioned, leaning on his players for guidance and, and, uh, and how to, like I said, maybe make up that difference a little bit in the spring, summer, fall uh, meeting individually with players, meeting in small groups, you know, you, you can do on ice, um, small stuff, you know, four players at a time, uh, to kind of get on the ice and get involved with them, but still following those MHSAA guidelines. So, uh, it's, it can be a difficult, uh, you know, difficult challenge or, or hard waters to navigate for first time high school hockey coaches who have been, so used to, like I said, the, the AAA and, and travel circles. Uh, but anytime those coaches make the jump and and uh, and do come into the high school circles, I I welcome it. I, you know, I'd love to see more of it and see those guys get involved and stay involved ultimately. So definitely interested to see, particularly you know what what Chad does there at De La Salle and obviously a couple others that I got the chance to talk to over you know over the past couple of days. Uh, the other thing. The other thing that really stood out to me too was there's just tons of very well-spoken young men. You know, I tweeted this out uh, maybe after the MIHL media day and just blown away at how at you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, how articulate some of these kids are. Uh, and, and, you know, these questions weren't prepared. They didn't know what was coming. These are very much, uh, you know, ad-libbing, ad-libbing on the spot and, some very passionate, well thought out comments. You know, I, I think back to when I was that age and I was just a, I was just a smart ass. You know, if you'd have put me on the spot like that, I'd have come up with something snarky and, and, and dumb and witty and just try to get a laugh out of everybody or, or done the old, you know, Ricky Bobby. I, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, so, and it didn't matter if it was, uh, you know, Turner England at Brother Rice or Carson Cadigal at Stony Creek. Like they all were just very well thought out, you know, super articulate, smart young guys for, for uh, that, that just kind of overall just blew me away. Very impressive. So, uh, and I asked some tough questions, you know, I, I tried to be uh, thought provoking and, and uh, put them on the spot with some stuff, make them think a little bit. Uh, you know, another, another comment I made on Twitter just about, 
uh, you know, some of my favorite questions to ask were just the, asking the players questions about other players on the team or the impact that they had on the team. And, and it's one of my favorites, you know, I go back to, um, you know, right out of college, one of my first jobs, I was a, uh, a part-time writer for, for the Detroit Red Wings. And one of my assignments was to do a story on Stephen Weiss. This was back 10 years ago now. And I said, well, you know, what if Stephen Weiss isn't available to the media? And he says, well, if you're writing a story on Weiss, Weiss is the last person you want to talk to. He's, they don't talk about themselves. If you want, if you want quotes on a player, you go to other players to talk about that player. Uh, and it's just very much on par for hockey players. If you ask us a question about ourselves, uh, it's a little uncomfortable. We don't like to brag about ourselves or talk ourselves up. But if, but if you ask me about my teammate, you know, my defensive partner, my line mate or something like that, I'll go on, uh, I'll go on and on about how impactful they are and how, you know, the plays that they make and are capable of doing, you know, if, uh, if I'd have asked, uh, you know, Kajigal, a name I'll go back to, or, or uh, Charlie Price, you know, if I had asked him, Hey, Charlie, you know, how big was that goal you scored? He's going to go, well, yeah, it was, it was a nice goal. I, I saw the net, I shot the puck. You know, now if I ask Charlie Price, or if I ask, uh, you know, his teammate that same question, hey, Charlie Price scores that big goal. Tell me about, oh, yeah, Charlie's a clutch guy. He's always scoring big goals for us, comes up in big moments. You know, he's been doing that since he started. Like, you just get more in-depth, uh, articulate answers uh, when you start asking them about their teammates. So that was a fun little exercise I definitely enjoyed. Uh, you know, Thomas Kemel, uh, Kemel, Kemel. Uh, for Cranbrook talking about uh, Michael Horton and, and some of that back and forth. You just get these really genuine answers and, and you know, appreciative uh, of it. You know, I forget last night at the OAA, you know, I, I asked that same question. He said, well, I don't really want to gas up my, my teammate here. I don't want to, you know, pump his tires too much, but you also do, you know, want to, want to give him, give him credit for what they're capable of. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed that. Um, and, and then my other, my other big takeaway here, and I think this again is, is kind of what separates or, or makes high school hockey so unique is, uh, the, the legacy component to it, the history component to it. You know, I was at, uh, KLAA media day on Monday and there were two instances where, uh, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Buchanan for Stevenson was asked just about the program in general. And, and he referred all the way back to his days watching Tyler Irvine and, and Dom Lutz and the impact that they had on Livonia Stevenson in uh, the run that they made winning a state title. That was back in 2014. That was 10 years ago. You know, Buchanan would have been seven, eight, nine years old, but he remembers being standing on the glass, watching those games, watching those seniors and, and just thinking the world of those guys to now be in those shoes and be on the other side and be able to offer that perspective and know how much it means to the little guys that are fist bumping him as he goes out, uh, you know, to, to play in his, his senior year and, and the impact that that has, that was really cool to hear. Uh, you know, I mentioned Cam Duffney earlier. I, I talked to him quite a bit, not necessarily about his impact on the ice, but his impact off the ice. And, and he talked about, an incoming freshman and in Tim Peterson that they expect at Brighton to have a pretty big impact this year. 
And he said, yeah, you know, like I'm taking, you know, taking him under my wing. He's a guy who had played with my brother before. So I knew him, but now knew of him, but now I'm really more getting to know him as a teammate. He's super talented. You know, I think by the time he's a junior senior, this could become his team. So it's just kind of that passing of the torch, you know, ownership of the program and its impact on the community, really something special, really something very unique that I think you only get in, in, in high school sports and, and then obviously in high school hockey. So those are two, you know, a, a couple big takeaways for me from the last couple media days. Uh, okay. So I posted PD's preseason top 25 poll yesterday on social media. In case you didn't see it, be sure to check that out. Uh, it's available at pdspicks.com. I think this is probably the first ever top 25 preseason poll in high school hockey that I, that I know of, or that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, I know, I think the coaches association in years past may have done a top 10 overall for the state and then top 10 for each of the three divisions. But I don't know that a top 25 preseason poll has ever been done. Uh, so it was definitely unique, definitely a lot of challenges, plenty of critiques and, and criticism, I'm sure, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it here a little bit. I'm going to unveil the top 25. I'll give you my top 25 teams in case you haven't seen it on the website yet. And then I'm also going to get into over under win totals based on last season's win total. Will that particular team exceed last year's win total? Will they come short of it? We'll kind of get into each one of those 25 teams here uh, as we go. So I'm going to start here. Checking in at number 25 for me uh, is the Celine Hornets. They won 20 games last year in year in year three for Kyle Zagata. That's a pretty high mark. <laughs> to winning 20 games uh, is no easy feat uh, in the state. I do think they probably take a little bit of a step back from that 20 win total, but I still uh, I think this could be one of the more successful seasons uh, for the Hornets when you look at. Uh, playoff implications, regionals, and, and that breakdown. You know, the the senior class that they have has been there for a couple years now and, and gone through the entire process with Kyle Zagata over the last four years. And I've mentioned it on previous podcasts and, and previous stuff I've posted on the website that this season in particular for the Hornets has kind of been a, a long time coming. And uh, and Matteo Idapalo, uh, Aiden Rumor. Uh, Blake Woodrell, uh, Tyler Schroeder, a goalie I haven't really talked about much yet on the podcast. He's a super talented kid who's been the starter in net for two years already, now entering his third season. I think this can be a big year for the Hornets, potentially contend for a regional title as they should. Uh, but I don't know if that would necessarily push them over the 20 win mark. So uh, I do have them going under there. Uh, next up, I'll, I'll try to go a little quicker here. Forest Hills Central, I've talked about them at length as well. Uh, I, I think Bill McSween has done a fantastic job with that program. They won 16 games last season. I have them actually going over that mark. And as I'm looking at my over-unders, I do have a lot of West Side teams going over their win totals from last year. I don't know if there's necessarily enough wins to go around for them all to hit the over. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, FHC for a lot of reasons that I like them to, to exceed that 16 win total from, from a season ago. 
23, I got Escanaba. They won 20 games last season, won a regional title, got to the state tournament. Super young team I've mentioned before last last season. A lot of their success was on the shoulders of as many as three freshmen. They're now sophomores with a ton of experience under their belt. I, I expect, uh, you know, hell, I, I mentioned in the in the Great Lakes preview, I expect Escanaba to contend and, and potentially win that conference championship. Can they do that and exceed the 20-win the plateau from a season ago? I don't – I don't – Long story short, I'm taking the under on that. I think the Great Lakes Conference, and I mentioned in the preview, they're going to kind of cannibalize each other. I think they're going to beat each other up. That's going to make it tough for a team like Escanaba to surpass that 20-win total. Uh, 13 is my first KL, or excuse me, at 22 with 13 wins a season ago. That's where the 13 came from. Is my first KLAA team uh, in the top 25. I got Salem checking in at 22. They won 13 games a season ago. I think they go over that. I don't know that they go over it by much. You know, maybe put them in the 15 to 16 win range. Uh, that That's a, a pretty scrappy young team still, I think. They've got some nice pieces, uh, particularly in the back end. I think they'll be strong on the blue line. Uh, and And they've never – they play a tough schedule with that tough, gritty style. They've never really been one to dominate the win column, but they absolutely will contend and compete with anybody they, they take the ice with this season. So it uh, may not blow me away in, in total wins, but they are absolutely going to blow you away when, when you line up across from them. Uh, Country Day, that's another team I haven't really talked about a ton this preseason. I got them checking in at 21 overall. Uh, Frank Novak, I've mentioned. I feel, I do feel like Country Day is kind of getting back onto that statewide scene. You know, they ma made the state tournament last year uh, with a pretty, I'd say, pretty young group and, and didn't really have, you know, outside of Clay Spencer, didn't really have kind of that star power. And I think Spencer coming back this season, the offseason he's had, I think he's ripe for a really big season uh, at, for his senior year and steps into kind of that star power role where people really start taking note of country day. Oh yeah. That's where Spencer plays. Oh, that's where that kid plays. Uh, you know, they had 15 wins a season ago and, and a good chunk of that coming in the postseason to, to win that regional championship. Uh, I have them going over. I think they could go way over if things break right for them in the Metro league. I think they could, uh, you know, they get on a run in league play and then go on another playoff run. They could, they could exceed 20 wins uh, by, by this time, you know, by March, basically. So uh, number 20, I got Ann Arbor, Gabriel Richard, Clint Robert. Love what he's done there. I, I've talked about that ad nauseum as well. Uh, a program that just, he's gotten the Irish to a point of consistency where, uh, you know, turnover doesn't matter who graduates, doesn't matter outgoing you know, Ethan Waldo, Jack Waldo, excuse me, uh, you know, graduating those guys, pushing them on to junior hockey and beyond. Uh, they're filling that void with more talent, filling that void with the next crop. Uh, you know, Dunphy is kind of that name to know, I think, for the Irish this season. He's kind of stepping into, I would think anyways, the the kind of go-to role for 
for Ann Arbor, Gabriel Richard. They won 25 games last season, which is, you know, almost outer worldly uh, as I'm looking at, at my graphic here. Uh, that was the fourth most wins in the entire state. That's going to be, that's tough to duplicate. I, you know, I mentioned consistency. I don't know that you can consistently win 25 games. That, that's a tough one to, to do. So I do have the Irish going under that win total, but ultimately, you know, I think the Metro League is, is theirs for the taking. I think a regional championship is theirs for the taking. I just think your your regular season play could be a little bit tougher than it has in league in, in years past, where you look at some of the non-conference games and things like that. Uh, 25 would be tough to surpass here, I, I think, this year. So at number 19, I got Northville. This is honestly one of my favorite teams this incoming season. I, I love uh, what Coach Ryan Ossenmacher has done in very short time there for the Mustangs. Talking um, talking to them at KLAA Media Day, you know, Connor Vysotsky, there's a ton of uh, excitement around the program again there for Northville. You know, he's a Vysotsky there is a, is a four-year senior, so he's been around for a long time. He's, he's seen the program kind of go through turbulent times and, and now in a position where they may enjoy quite a bit of success. They had 10 wins last season. I think they crushed that. Uh, I could see them winning as many as 16 or 17 games and, and really putting themselves in a position to contend uh, in the playoffs too. So knowing Visotsky, knowing Cole LaFear is another returner that I'd expect to have a pretty big impact. They've got some young guys, some AAA guys coming in, making the jump that I think is really going to put Northville over the top. They're playing in the gauntlet of the KLAA West. But ultimately, like I said, when you look at the rest of their conference schedule, uh, non-conference opponents, things like that, I think this is a group that's going to win a bunch of games. So, uh, again, Northville checking in at, at number 19 for me. Number 18, this is – there's just a lot of question marks for me around Flint Powers, and rightfully so. You know, after they graduated uh, last year's class – that had been together for a number of years, had kind of come up even through the youth hockey days uh, there for Flint Firebirds, right? Um, that's a that's a pro that that class then ultimately kind of culminated with that state championship run last winter. You lose all that, how do you replace all that? Like that's that's going to be a tough challenge. And I'm not saying that Powers can't. I just don't know what that answer is yet. And I got to kind of see it to believe it, I think a little bit. And so powers, you know, a a defending state champ, I got them checking in here at 18. That's, that's admittedly probably low, but as I said, like there's just question marks there, uh, I think for, for coach Travis Perry, but ultimately the opportunity to, to answer those questions and, and, uh, and shut me up very quickly. So uh, 17, I got Trenton. Uh, out of the MIHL. Is this my first? Yep. First MIHL team uh, that I'll, I'll mention here in the top 25. Trenton, another team I, I could be kind of sandbagging a little low on. And, and I guess that's just more because offensively, uh, I'd, I haven't seen or, or don't know of, uh, you know, I mentioned star power there for, uh, for Country Day. I don't know where that star power is going to come from for Trenton. You know, I know uh, Noah Miklos, Evan CV and goal. They've got a great tandem uh, of a junior and senior there in, in net for, for the Trojans. But 
how are you going to produce that offense? Where's that offense going to come from when you're taking on CC, when you're taking on Brother Rice, Gross Point South, you know, Orchard Lake, like that gauntlet of the MIHL against some tough teams where scoring is, is tough to come by in general. And now it's like, all right, well, who do you lean on for scoring? I think there's just some question marks there again for me, similar to, to Flint Powers, that I just need more time, need to see more of them, need to see what they look like on the ice before I, I can really make any strong pushes here one way or the other in my top 25. So at 17, Trenton, they had 20 wins a season ago. I think they're going to be under that a little bit. and and uh you know playoffs you know they've been a, a mainstay at the you know winning regional championships getting to plymouth um that could change this season maybe they're they're not a mainstay there at, at uh usa hockey arena but they could shut me up too there's been years in the past where I, i've i've doubted the trojans and then they end up in the state final so it'll be fun to see uh 16, this is one of the more intriguing teams, and, and I'll get into it in a second. Uh, I got Livonia Stevenson, KLAA. They had 19 wins a season ago. I think there's a pretty significant step back from that 19-win total. Um, very young team. I've mentioned it multiple times. Unofficially the youngest team in the state. There's one senior on the entire roster, and uh, and I don't know that anybody has a smaller class of 2024 than that. If you do, please show me. Uh, so it's going to be a, a learning experience, I think, for the Spartans. Dave Mitchell, fantastic coach. I, I've seen his work firsthand. Um, so if there's anyone who can take on a young group, mold them, weather the storm, the the learning curve and, and ups and downs, take your licks, pick yourself back up and get ready for the next one in a tough KLAA schedule, it's it's Dave Mitchell, it's Lavonia Stevenson. So, you know, I don't think they'll come close to that 19 win total. They'll probably be in the 12 to 13 range is, is kind of where I have them, maybe a little bit over 500 when, when the dust settles. But, you know, if you can get to that point with the young team that they have, it's really only going to set you up for success in the program up for success down the road. So um, so that's where I'm at with, with Stevenson at 16. Number 15, I have another Saginaw Valley team here with uh, Saginaw Heritage. They had 16 wins a season ago. I mentioned in the Saginaw Valley League preview that I think this is this is Coach J.J. Bamberger's year. I think Heritage kind of gets back uh, on top of the SBL there. Uh, Owen Turner is a guy I like out of there. Betcher is another one. Uh, so there's, there's some of those younger guys or were young guys I've kind of taken their licks, learning, growing, playing against tough competition in powers, uh, Midland, Midland Dow over the last couple of years. I think the I think Heritage has kind of taken their lumps the last couple of years, learned from it, and now they're in a position where they can kind of take the reins back uh, in the in the middle of the state. There, sixteen wins a season ago. I think they definitely go over that, especially if you're going to get to a league championship there, which won't won't be easy. Powers isn't going away. Bay City is a team I had kind of in my honorable mentions on the fringe with a chance to be in that top 25. Bay City, I think, is going to be really good. So the SBL, I think, is going to be pretty competitive on top of Midland, Midland Dow. Like, it's not going to be easy, but ultimately, I think it's one that breaks in favor of, of Heritage. So uh, number 14, I got Howell, and this is a pretty easy one for me, I think. 
they had 11 wins a season ago. I think they go way over that. This could be an 18, 19, 20 win team by the time things are done. This is a team that um, I would almost expect, I think, to win a regional given the way things have broken broken out this season. You know, they win a regional, they get to the, the quarterfinals with a chance to get into the semifinals. You know, that alone, uh, plus the regular season slate that they're going to have, I think they're going to flirt with 20, as many as 20 wins. Uh, you know, talking with Coach Rocky Johnson, his big thing was, we want to play fast. We're going to play with speed. And they're young. They're talented. They Even despite being young, they still have some of those key seniors and, and leadership uh, to kind of get them through and navigate trouble, you know, any challenging times they may hit this season. But ultimately, uh, I think Howell is, is going to win a lot of games this year and maybe some games that you don't expect them to win either. So uh, number 13, I got Byron center, which let me check. Oh, no, I got, okay. FHC. I was going to say, it looks like my first West side team, but that's not the case. Uh, number 13, I got Byron center. Again, this was a state finalist a season ago, but you lose a, a ton in, in, in Nicholas and Breet there from a season ago. You do have the luxury of kind of replacing that with uh, Froisland and, and Pratt, Cade Pratt there. Uh, up front. I don't know. It's big shoes to fill. Can Jackson, Froisland, and Cade Pratt fill that void? It's going to be a challenge. They're super talented. They've had great off seasons. You know, we're, we're studs for Team Green there uh, in the MDHL. They're guys that are capable of filling that void, I think. Uh, I might need to see it to fully believe it, though, or, or to to consider them in in the state championship hunt once again, but ultimately, uh, you know, they won 28 games a season ago. You graduate that much for anyone to replicate a 28 win season, uh, is tough. But then obviously when you lose potentially two of the better, better players in the entire state last, last, uh, spring, um, that's going to be tough to replicate. So I do have them obviously going under, that 28 win total, but still very much in the hunt in the OKC still very much in the hunt uh, at the playoff level as well. Uh, number 12, this is a team I haven't really talked about much so far this off season. And part of that's a bit of an error on me. You know, I did my conference previews never once made mention of the independence. You know, I want to say there's probably six or eight independent programs that don't belong to a conference one of them being the Bay Raps. Uh, Bay Raps won 19 games a season ago. Have quite a bit coming back from last season too. You know, I was talking with with a scout who was speaking pretty highly of some of those top guys: Coleman, uh, Thomas Boynton Fisher. That's a guy I really like a lot. Larson Miller. I mentioned him, mentioned him earlier. He was a tournament team guy for MDHL this fall. Uh, so not only do they have you know, talent, but they have like statewide talent that's recognized by some of these uh, fall organizations and, and, and doing pretty well. So there's a lot to like here about the Bay reps. My concern is, is going to be depth, but when your high end is, is good enough to play and skate with literally anybody in the state, that's going to give you a chance. You know, Thomas Boynton Fisher, he was a big bodied kid, skated well, like hard nosed player. He's a guy who, you know, I think probably fit into that third, fourth line there for for MHA this this fall. 
But that type of style, you need that. You need that kind of grit and sandpaper, whether it's at the high school level or potentially junior hockey and beyond. You need a guy like that in your lineup. And then you couple that with Coleman and Miller, who are a little bit more of the skill players. That's a team with a bunch of different roles. And if those roles can all start firing and doing their job at the same time, it's a team that could be really scary. So 19 wins a season ago, I got the 12th ranked Bay reps going over that 19 win total from a season ago. Uh, Number 11. All right. I've mentioned it multiple times. I am done sleeping on EGR. I'm all in on East Grand Rapids. Uh, Chris Newton, love him. Fantastic guy. Big, big fan of the program. Obviously, um, come, (laughs) come around on the pioneers here. Uh, checking in at number 11, they were a state finalist a season ago. They bring back a ton from that team. I've mentioned it, I believe on the preview on pdspicks.com that I think they get four of their top five leading scorers back. Uh, Brady Ross, McKagan, uh, Millman, who am I missing there? Hoekstra. Like I laughed because Millman, Hoekstra, uh, Millman, Hoekstra, who did I just, McKagan, that trio was the quarterback running back receiver on the football team. Obviously big impact players there uh, for the football program to then make the shift and be a big impact players there for the hockey team as well. That's not an easy transition to do. I've done it. I had a football coach who said you can either be a football player that plays hockey, or you can be a hockey player that plays football, but you can't do both. It's just two different skill sets, two different muscle groups. It's, it's two completely different sports. Uh, So to be able to do both of them and do both of them that well, uh, truly hats off to those guys, because I, I know how hard that transition is. So, uh, EGR not sleeping on sleeping on them anymore. 15 wins a season ago. They go way over that. I think they might even flirt with 20 wins by the time the dust settles and potentially may even see them in Plymouth yet again. Uh, so it's a lot of pressure, but we'll see how, uh, we'll see how EGR stacks up there. Number 10, I got another West side team. Uh, I go with GRCC here checking in at number 10. I like the Cougars. I'm high on them this season. I've been talking about them a bunch uh, during the offseason. Braylon Outwater is a a top-level forward that I like a lot. Um, Trent Goheen in in goal, he was one of the top netminders in the MDHL this fall. Both of those guys coming back uh, for Coach Slobotnik, that's big. The other thing, and this is kind of what I've been sitting on for a while because I didn't know if it was for sure – coming to fruition or not, I was kind of holding my breath. Uh, GRCC gets Liam Tenharmsel coming in. Uh, Tenharmsel is a guy I got a sneak peek of at MDHL uh, and, and then played a few games there with Little Caesars for the last couple months before making the jump to high school hockey. Big, strong, good skating, solid puck mover. Like Tenharmsel is the real deal. And his ability, I think, is going to put GRCC in a position to win a lot of games and and ultimately contend for a state title here come season's end. Uh, They had 19 wins a season ago. You've got key returners at all three levels. You've got a huge addition there on the blue line. I don't think there's any reason why this team doesn't go over that 19 win total from a season ago. Number nine, we got Marquette. 
Um, I mentioned the Great Lakes Conference. I feel like they're going to kind of beat each other up. It's going to be hard to get dubs in that league. Uh, they play a tough schedule. And, but ultimately, you know, Marquette is a team that uh, does play a very gritty style, style, tough to play against, as always. Most UP teams are. Um, Marquette very much uh, on brand there. 18 wins a season ago. Similar to Escanaba and, and even Houghton I'll get into here in a little bit as well. Wins are going to be tough to come by in the UP. Getting to that 18-win plateau, you know, I don't have Escanaba replicating that 20 wins. I certainly don't have Houghton replicating that 26 wins from a season ago. So I can't expect Marquette here to, to go north of their win total from a season ago either, like I said, with, with that league and the way it's going to kind of eat each other up. Uh, I got Marquette going under that 18 win total checking in at number nine. Uh, at number eight, we go from one red M to another red M. I got Orchard Lake St. Mary's uh, from the MIHL. I think this is a big year for the Eaglets. It just kind of feels like their year a little bit. And I'm hearing nothing but great things uh, about Will Keane in that. I've talked about him a couple times so far on the podcast and, and written about him on the website. He's a guy who I don't know that I've seen a goalie with that much hype with such few starts. And I don't mean that as, you know, a slight by any stretch of the imagination, because I think he's the real deal. Uh, and I just mean that really says a lot about what coach Brian Klanow had in that a season ago. Um, that maybe kept Will from getting a couple more starts. Uh, and, and then obviously stepping into the spotlight here this year, uh, really, you talk about like quarterback development, you know, bringing, drafting a rookie quarterback and then developing him for a year or two before you hand over the reins and, and he's the starting guy. That's a little bit what it kind of feels like here uh, for Orchard Lake and Will Keene stepping into the spotlight now really ready to blossom and, and take over and take ownership of not just the net, but the team. Ultimately, I think that team playing in front of him will have a ton of confidence. They've got some nice pieces. Um, Kyle Kavk, uh, I think I'm saying that right. He's a forward. I like a lot. Julian Johnston. So there's some offensive weapons there to like. I don't know that any of them are super dominant from a statewide standpoint, but when you have that goalie playing behind you, it makes your job up front a lot easier. You know, you can win games two to one, three to two, and you don't need that offensive firepower. You don't need to overwhelm people um, with an offensive onslaught there. So I think as strong as they are in net, it makes guys up front like Cav, like uh, Johnston makes their jobs a little bit easier up front as well. But ultimately, even with all that, I think, I think the Eaglets win a ton of games. They, they were at 16 a season ago. I think they go way over that. I think they're in the hunt at the MIHL level in, in winning. I don't know how they're doing it now. If there's a, a league champion or not, they've got three divisions now, which is a different setup. So I don't know if I can say they'll contend for a, a league championship there, but I will say I think they they contend and are in the hunt for a state championship come season's end. Uh, number seven, I get into another MIHL team here with Brother Rice. Brother Rice is a team who's, I think, got a lot of question marks around it too. Uh, you know, you don't lose Peter Rosa 
and get better. Like you don't lose arguably the best player in the state and, and somehow get better overnight. Like that's a, that's a tough void to fill. Now, obviously brother rice being one of the best programs in the state, they're going to, they're going to find a way to make it work. Um, they've got some good pieces returning, listening to them speak at uh, media day they're They feel very strongly about their defensive core. They feel very strongly about Turner England in net. So that's a team, you know, Turner even mentioned it. We're not going to win games six to four, you know, five to two this year. We're going to win games two to one, three to, you know, three to two. We're going to win those low scoring games. Or if we're going to win, that's how we're going to win. So it feels like a different Rice team than last year. Last year was a lot of, a lot of firepower, a lot of flash and dash, track meet. I think this is going to be far more of a, a structured, disciplined uh, hard in the D zone. They may spend a lot of time in the D zone defending, but you're not going to generate quality opportunities. Um, you know, time on ice and in that riding time that we like to talk about throughout the course of the game, they may spend 60% of the time in their own end, but they're going to keep you to the outside. They're going to keep shots uh, from the perimeter and, and England will snuff those out and additionally make some saves you, you don't expect them to, to make. So uh, they may get or perceive to be outplayed in a lot of games, but I think they'll turn around and end up winning those because of timely scoring, defensive structure, and then ultimately sound goaltending in that too. Uh, 21 wins from a season ago. They would probably have to win a state title, in my opinion, to go over that 21 win mark. I'm not prepared to do that just yet. So I have them going under 21 wins, but Probably not by much. <laughs> They're probably in that 18 to 19, maybe even 20 win window. Uh, and, and like I said, you get to Plymouth, you win a state title. That would probably put you over that 21 win total. Um, six, checking in at number six, I got the Houghton Gremlins. Uh, they won 26 games a season ago. I, this is another team similar to Rice, uh, similar to Flint Powers graduated a ton and graduated heavy hitters, right? Cam Markham, Gabrick Carlson. Those were guys that were amongst some of the best in the state in high school hockey. You get some guys like Mikey Millette coming back this, this year as, as seniors, but can they step into, uh, can they replace that amount of scoring? Not to mention uh, Micah Stepich in, in year one as head coach, there's just going to be challenges. You know, I, Houghton, obviously a very well-run, well-oiled machine over uh, over the last couple of years and, and really throughout the history of Michigan high school hockey. Coaching changes for anybody are challenges. It's just uh, it's a different voice. It's different structure in the locker room. Uh, it's different practice regimens. Uh, it, things that, you know, Corey Markham for 25 years had kind of been the mainstay in that program and and uh, the community and players and everything were accustomed to the way he was doing things. So Micah admittedly is kind of in a tough spot. Um, but I think it's an area where very talented coach. I know he was involved with team Michigan in the spring uh, knows his stuff. If there's ever someone to kind of fill that void and step in for Markham, uh, I, I expect Micah to do a fantastic job. Um, but that comes with growing pains that comes with learning experiences uh, and, and you do that in the wake of a 26 win season, that's going to be tough to do. Not to mention your the losses of Markham, 
uh, Cam Markham uh, and Gabrick Carlson and, and some of those guys. So those are big losses to try and fill in. Plus, just I, like I said, the um, just the pressure and experience of, of that first season can can be a little challenging. But ultimately, I, I think they're going to win a bunch of games. I don't know that it's going to be 26. Obviously in the hunt for the Great Lakes Conference Championship yet again. In the hunt for a very unique regional cha- uh, r- regional grouping there of all UP. T- I'm pretty sure it's all of the UP teams in one region. That's going to be very unique uh, in a challenge there. So Houghton going to be in the hunt for all of that. There's just some question marks. I, I need to see what coach is like on the bench. I need to see what this team looks like under a, a new regime. Uh, and obviously filling in some of those key returner or key graduates. Um, so at number six, I do have Houghton going under that 26 win total. Uh, number five, I got Heartland 22 wins from a season ago. I might have to walk this one back on the graphic. I have them going under 22 wins is a lot. Heartland's going to be in the mix. Uh, Division one, similar to Rice, I mentioned for them to go over that win total, Heartland would probably need to win a state title. Um, not that they can't. I'm just, I, I don't know that present day I'm ready to, to slot them in there. So I got Heartland going under that 22 win total. Um, they're going to win a boatload of games. They could flirt with 22 and be in that 20, you know, 18, 19, 20 range. The KLAA is going to be super tough, maybe tougher than it's been in recent memory because you have teams like Howell making a significant jump, Northville making a significant jump. Oh, by the way, both of those teams are in Heartland's division within the conference. So it's just not going to be an easy road. You know, I know they're on top of that. Heartland and Brighton could potentially play each other as many as three times this in the regular season not to mention a potential meeting in the playoffs should that unfold. So it's going to be a tough road against some really tough opponents. When the dust settles, you could see Heartland playing maybe the second or third toughest schedule in the entire state. Uh, so 22 wins is going to be is going to be tough to match. I do have them going under uh, their ranked number five. Uh, number four, this is one of my favorite teams too. I've talked about them a bunch this offseason. I got U of D Jesuit. Under Coach Paul Moretz, there they've done a fantastic job of just building that program uh, and and building it the right way. Right, like I, I liked to see the way their schedule developed and got a little bit harder each year, and the way they brought in prospects and developed them a little bit more with each coming year. You know, this season the guys they've got coming in um, and the guys they have returning from last year. It's going to be an exciting time, I think, for U of D and a chance for them to really make some noise in the playoffs and potentially make a state championship run, I think, is very possible. So they had 14 wins a season ago. I think they go way over that. I would absolutely, you know, I mentioned maybe some hesitancy there to to put Heartland in the final four or in the mix seriously for a Division One state championship. U of D, I feel a lot more comfortable about slotting them into the mix at the state level. They get to Plymouth. They contend for a state championship. I think they will smash that 14-win total if they do that. They could potentially be in that 18, 19, 20-win range by the time the dust settles. 
Uh, so I got U of D going way over that 14 win mark from a season ago. Number three, Clarkston. This is another one I kind of got to think about. They won 21 games a season ago. I think that's two years in a row. They've won 20. No, what is it? I'd have to go back and look what, what it was two years ago, but 21 wins a season ago. That's going to be really hard to come by, especially I know their non-conference schedule is getting a lot tougher too than it has in years past. I believe they're in that showcase Thanksgiving showcase with Brighton, with Heartland, with Forest Hill Central. There's not an easy game in the bunch with those, th- with those four. Uh, and you're going to get two games out of it. That's going to be tough sledding there for Clarkston. I think there's going to be some learning experiences there with those tougher matchups, with those really top five, top 10 matchups that they're going to see. Uh, so it might hinder them from getting to 21 wins. Ultimately, playing in the OAA, you know, I think they're at least a step ahead, if not a couple steps ahead of, of some other teams in the conference. So I do think as tough as that non-conference is, they're going to make up for it with a bunch of wins there in the OAA, potentially even go undefeated in league play, which I don't think they even did last year. Um, so they go undefeated in the OAA. They pick up some tough wins in non-conference. They make a deep playoff run, which I could very well see. I do have them actually going over that 21-win total from a season ago. Uh, number two, we're getting down to it. I've been at this for a minute. We're going on almost an hour. I got to try and wrap this up. Number two, I got the Brighton Bulldogs, 22 wins a season ago. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself in trouble here because I'm handing out way too many overs, probably not enough unders. I got Brighton going over that 22 win total. It won't be easy. I've talked about how hard the KLAA is going to be this year, how hard that division is going to be this year for Brighton. Uh, ultimately it's a lot of people have talked about it. I've seen it on Twitter. It's just Brighton's year. That's what everybody keeps telling me. It's Brighton's year. And while I believe that, man, that puts a lot of pressure on the kids in the locker room to try and come out and do it, you know, every night, every game, and to avoid maybe some of those slip ups to a, to a Novi on a weekday or, uh, you know, Plymouth on the road or, or some of those types of matchups that can, kind of exponentially become a lot tougher than maybe they should be because you're putting that much pressure on yourselves uh, and gripping the stick a little tight because this is our year and we, you know, we can't drop, drop a game like this. So uh, ultimately there's a, there's a ton there for Brighton, you know, listening to coach Kurt Cavisto talk about some of the returners, obviously Duffney and Pettit, Charlie Birchfield, uh, but even on the back end and having uh, Ryan Watkins, Mason Blow, uh, Levi Penella and Nat Penella, sorry. Um, and Ryan Nickerson, like they got two goalies that have been with the program for a couple of years now. It, they've got a lot of luxuries. They got depth up front. They've got returners in, at the blue line. Uh, and then two guys in net with a bunch of starts. Like it, it, everything is shaping up and pointing to it being Brighton's year. I'm buying in. I'm, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm on board. I got them going over 22 wins this season as the number two ranked team in my preseason poll. And number one, number one, was there ever really a doubt when we started at 25? Uh, I've said it ad nauseum. And if you want to doubt or pick against or whatever you want to do, God bless you. But CC is the number one team in the state until they're not the number one team in the state. Uh, I've said it before. I'll continue to say it until Someone can prove me otherwise. 
there's no reason to take them off uh, off the pedestal there and, and keep them at number one in the state. I will say, though, 29 wins from a season ago, you really can't have more wins than that uh, unless you go perfect 30-0, and 0, which would really kind of be the last frontier for, for Catholic Central and Brandon Kalnecki. Like, what else is left to accomplish? I guess I guess you could say that. Uh, completely uh, an unblemished, perfect season. I don't think that happens this year, um, full, full disclosure. I do have them going under that 29-win total, but it's kind of by default, right? Like, 29 wins is absurd. Now, maybe they'll shut me up yet again and, and, uh, and match or exceed that and do the unthinkable. Um, but ultimately, CC feels like a little bit different of a team this year. I think they're deep up front. I think there's some, I'll say question marks, not really question marks, but, you know, I want to see what their blue line looks like. I know Joe Bettles in net, but I want to see what he's like at the high school level. Uh, I, I think he was a JV kid last year. I'm not positive, but uh, I want to see what he looks like at the varsity level and, and kind of how he handles action. So um, I'll call it question marks there. I just, I, I want to see what that looks like. Um, and then ultimately the MIHL is super deep this year. You've got Brighton and Clarkston and Heartland um, public schools that are all division one, all going to be in the hunt there come playoff time. It's going to be a tough road for CC that ultimately I think would keep them from getting or, or surpassing that 29 win total. So I do have them going under, but you know, until otherwise they're the number one team in the state and, and they're the favorite to win division one. So, uh, all right. So that was it for the over unders on win totals for the top 25. That was, that was fun. I like that. We'll have to do some more stuff similar to that or, or in that same vein. Anyways, going on an hour here. This is almost the longest. This is definitely the longest podcast we've done so far. So I'll wrap it up here uh, again. If you've made it this far, you got to like and subscribe at this point. I mean, this is the type of content we've been putting out. You're only going to see more of it as the season unfolds. We'll get into picks. We'll start picking some games, highlighting some big matchups uh, and making predictions there. Uh, we'll get into maybe I'll, maybe I'll bring back fantasy teams of the week and we'll start highlighting some players. I think we'll, we'll have big performances. Uh, and then ultimately, as I teased last week, I will unveil the top 100 names to know in high school hockey uh, sometime next week. I haven't set a date yet. I got to put Got to get graphics in place. I got to get the write-up done. I got, there's a lot to do here before we hit publish. So uh, more on that next week. So obviously like and subscribe here on YouTube. Wow. Trying that again. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. Uh, follow on Spotify and Apple. Check out the website, pdspicks.com. And obviously from there, you can connect with me on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, threads. You can even email me at contactpdspicks at gmail.com. And we'll talk some hockey here as the season gets underway. So until next time, skate hard, have fun. See you guys at the rink soon.